Hey there, this is the Motherhood Elevated Podcast. I'm your host, Annette Jones, and this is episode number 20, The Disease to Please. You are listening to the Motherhood Elevated Podcast for women who want to find clarity of mind, create lasting emotional well-being and confidence, and achieve amazing potential. Come with me. This will be fun. everyone. I hope you're having a great summer. It's kind of a different one than what we're used to, but so far so good. I want to jump right into our topic. Today we are talking about people-pleasing, what it is, why it can cause problems, how to recognize it in yourself, and what to do if you struggle with this tendency. So first of all, let's define it. What is a people-pleaser? Well, a people-pleaser is someone who has an emotional need to please others. Um, usually at the expense of his or her own needs or desires. People pleasers want to feel important and needed. They're overly afraid of disappointing people, of confrontation, or of making other people angry or uncomfortable, which generally makes it um, very difficult for them to set and maintain healthy boundaries. People pleasers say yes outwardly, but inside they are saying no. Um, Now, on the outside, it may look like people pleasers are just nice people going around doing nice things. But in reality, um, there's kind of an unseen um, ulterior motive, which they usually aren't even aware of for the approval of others. Um, They have a need for acceptance and validation from other people in order to feel good. And then when other people are pleased with them, um, only then do they give themselves permission to feel good or loved or confident or valued. Now, I want to distinguish here. Um, We all make sacrifices at times, right? We may give up or postpone what we want for the greater good. And that's fine. There are times when we can do that from a place of love and compassion and peace. But that's not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about is doing things for people because you're trying to control what they think of you. Um, You're trying to keep them from being mad at you, things like that. A people pleaser wants to feel important and needed and significant and capable but they don't get that internally. Their self-esteem and self-worth is really based on getting love and approval from others. So people-pleasing is kind of something that stems from from fear, and it can really cloud our judgment. It gets us to say things that we don't um, really want to say or do things we don't really want to do, and it causes a disconnect between who we are and who we want people to think we are. It's kind of a facade we put on because we don't think people will like us if they really see who we are um, and how we're thinking and feeling. And we can maintain this for a while, years sometimes even, but eventually um, it begins to wear on us and starts to be exhausting. Um, And this may sound a little bit harsh, but this is, um, people pleasing is really a form of manipulation. Um, We're trying to control other people's emotions and perceptions of us, right? And it can even turn into kind of an anxiety management system where we try to manage or avoid our own fears about what other people think about us or what their reactions might be um, by trying to control the situation. And oftentimes, um, when you're a people pleaser, you might label yourself as the easygoing, low-maintenance person who's just always willing to take one for the team. But that might not actually be true. A good indicator of whether your behavior is crossing over into the area of people pleasing or not is how are you feeling. Are you feeling anger or resentment? Do you feel like you don't really have a choice or that you have to say yes? Um, When you're saying yes to something but you really mean no, do you feel very happy? 
you might feel some relief and maybe um, less anxiety because the other person isn't sad or disappointed or angry at you. But you also may begin to feel some resentment toward that person. And if you're in a pattern of doing this, you might start to feel um, tired of being responsible for managing that other person's emotions. You might feel frustrated that you bend over backwards trying to do things so that the other person will be happy with you, um, but then they don't reciprocate that same urgency or feel that that same um, need to accommodate you. So the problem doesn't lie in doing things for other people or in going out of your way to help someone or even in making sacrifices. Those can all be really good, fulfilling things. The problem arises when you um, notice that you start to feel resentment or negativity about what you agree to do or maybe in not doing what you want to do just to keep other people happy. So I'm going to give you a list of some red flag behaviors that could be signs that you might be a people pleaser. Um, Number one, you agree with everyone outwardly when really on the inside you have a different opinion or set of values. You feel responsible for other people's feelings and emotional states. You feel guilty asking for your own needs and obligated to do things for others. You feel mean when you say no. You feel um, like others have control over your life, but you also feel a compelling need to control others. When you say yes, you often regret it and feel burdened by what you agreed to do. Your mood, happiness, or sense of self are defined by the people around you. You go to great lengths and um, even maybe some dishonesty to avoid any kind of conflict conflict or confrontation. Um, It's hard for you to speak up and let others know when you're feeling hurt or angry or sad or disappointed. Um, And you, you need praise to feel good. So the biggest problem with these types of people-pleasing behaviors is that they can become habitual and you can even develop kind of an addiction to needing other people to validate and approve of and be happy with you all the time. And that need for others' approval can become so strong that you actually start to lose your ability to value yourself accurately and it gets harder to manage your own emotions um, and your feelings um, become heavily influenced by other people's moods, emotions, or actions. Now again, I don't want you to think that I'm saying you shouldn't do nice things for people or even that you shouldn't make sacrifices, right? But when you find yourself feeling perpetually resentful or angry or weighed down about the things you're doing, that's when you need to take a look at your intentions and the real reasons that you do the things that you do. And this tendency is um, more common in women than it is in men. I certainly don't want to overgeneralize here, but I was reading um, the other day a study which showed that the qualities of empathy and nurturing and kindness were actually ranked as being more highly valued in women than they are in men. And while I think it's true that these traits are probably generally more inherent in women and that women have been and are capable of amazing things because of these traits, um, there's also been an expectation developed, kind of an unspoken rule Um, that women who are nice and who keep the peace and who don't cause a stir and who avoid contention at all costs and who put others' needs before their own are much more admirable and likable and desirable. In her book, Enough As She Is, Rachel Simmons talks about why women are so critical of themselves. And um, she says, brings up the point that during the tween and teenage years, girls start to, quote, metabolize the culture's expectation to be liked above all, to please others at the expense of themselves, and not to make others angry or sad. She goes on to say that this makes them more vulnerable to depression and anxiety, as well as overthinking. And all of these factors heighten a girl's tendency to turn on herself. 
So it really is a part of our culture, again, that I don't think necessarily is intentional, but that can end up causing long, long-term emotional harm for the girls and women who put so much pressure on themselves to be liked and to please others. And I think of, as women, there are a lot of times when we're totally okay with putting others first. I think this ability really is a gift. It's probably part of what makes women willing to go through pregnancy and labor to bring another human into the world, right? This really isn't a bad thing. And I know that really beautiful things do come um, out of these nurturing, caring, selfless qualities that women have and that there's purpose in them. But I've also seen these same qualities cause women to be taken advantage of and to um, put themselves into situations where they feel kind of trapped um, and miserable and even sometimes hopeless. So I think the idea that sometimes our greatest strengths can also be our greatest weaknesses might apply to what we're talking about here. Generally, the people I know who struggle with people-pleasing tendencies are some of the most generous, loving, selfless, nurturing people I know. But they are also suffering silently because they're trying so hard not to inconvenience anyone else. So why do we come to this conclusion as women that it's our job to keep everyone happy or that we're only doing a good job if everything is peaceful and everyone is content? Um, I realize for me personally that part of this stemmed from my desire just to be a good person, to be Christ-like. We hear that a lot, right? And what are some of the attributes of Christ that we try to emulate? Um, compassion, humility, selflessness, <laughs> kindness, love, they're all really good things um, and actually divine traits that we should all be striving to build within ourselves. But somehow in my mind, I had come to make that mean that a Christ-like person was someone who never allowed conflict, who never disagreed or opposed anything, who didn't disappoint anyone ever, and who completely gave up their own desires to make other happy, others happy. Um, it was someone who everyone loved, uh, loved and approved of all of the time. And yeah, it's good. It's good to try to keep conflict at a minimum, right? Um, it's good to be agreeable. It's good not to disappoint people. And it's good to make sacrifices. But if you're doing these things at the expense of your own mental and emotional and sometimes even physical well-being, then something's off. And I think we really need to be in tune with that within ourselves to really know when we will be okay with what's happening and when we need to draw a line. And this really is how um, the Savior lived. If you look at his life, he spent his life loving and serving and helping and ministering, but he did not spend it people-pleasing. His motives and intentions were so pure and true that everything he did was completely genuine. Um, he never did anything that wasn't aligned with who he was and the mission he was sent to accomplish. So, for example, um, we read in Mark chapter 6 the account of Jesus returning, returning to his hometown and preaching in the synagogue. And the people, it says, were astonished at first at what he was teaching. But then they started um, doubting him. And it even says that they were offended at him because he was only the son of a carpenter, a, common, a commoner, basically. And in verse 5 it says, And he could there do no mighty work, save that he laid his hands on a few sick folk and healed them. So that kind of makes it sound like Jesus was unable to perform miracles and mighty works, right? As if his power was dependent on the faith of the people. But actually, performing miracles for people who didn't have faith um, would have completely conflicted with the doctrine and the message that he was trying to teach. So think about this. If you were in your hometown and the people who knew you were questioning your abilities and your character and your validity, what would you do? Um, would you do whatever you could to show them that they were wrong about you? If you were in that situation, wouldn't you be tempted to just whip out a bunch of miracles to prove that you really did have the power that they were doubting? I think the Savior showed um, really true integrity in that situation to kind of hold back and to know that wasn't the time or place um, instead of just giving in to the skepticism of the people. 
It shows that he was much more concerned with staying aligned with his father's will and with his own mission than he was with pleasing others. And there are other examples of this in his life, right? Think of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the money changers at the temple. The Savior wasn't too worried about impressing them. He wasn't concerned with approval or popularity. He was able to continually stay true to himself and his divine mission, even in the face of criticism and conflict. And I think he showed us that you can stay in integrity with who you are and what you believe and what you want and still show love and compassion to others. So if you think about it, people-pleasing is kind of a form of dishonesty. People who are saying yes to something when they really mean no are being dishonest, both with themselves and with others. Now, um, if any of these descriptions of people-pleasing sound familiar or strike a chord with you, I'm going to give you some strategies to kind of counteract these tendencies in your own life. Okay, so strategy number one, when you are considering doing something um, that you really don't want to do, ask yourself, Why is it a problem for me to say no to this request or invitation? What am I afraid of? What do I think is going to happen if I say no? Um, What you're doing here is identifying what it is that you're trying to avoid um, by saying yes. So maybe, like we talked about before, you're afraid that this person will be mad at you. Maybe you'll think they'll be cranky or sad um, or sulky, or maybe um, they won't like you. Figure out what emotion you're trying to prevent them from feeling And then determine if your reason for saying yes is because you fear that reaction. Sometimes we tell ourselves that our yes is coming from a place of kindness or generosity or trying to be Christ-like, right? But if we get to the root, it's really that we're trying to manage our own anxieties about how other people are going to feel or react towards us. So do you like your reasons for saying yes? Can you agree to and then follow through on this action from a place of genuine love or compassion? Are you really saying yes from a place of love or are you saying yes because you're trying to avoid something or manage someone else's emotions? So tell yourself the truth about this and then make a conscious decision about what you really want to do in that situation. And those times, which there will be times, when you do decide to say yes, own it. Have a good attitude about it. Don't let yourself slip into the trap of ruminating about it being unfair or that you don't have the time or that someone pressured you into it. Own up to the fact that you made the deliberate decision to take this on and then take responsibility for that decision and don't blame other people for it, right? Choose the emotion you want to fuel your action from, whether it's love or generosity or compassion, and then follow through on it without that regret or resentment. Okay, strategy number two. Understand that people's emotions are much more about them than they are about you. Back in episode number three, I talked about emotional adulthood versus emotional childhood, and that episode is by far my most downloaded episode, and it's been one of the most powerful concepts that I have myself learned and that I've been able to teach others. Um, So emotional childhood is, in a nutshell, putting the responsibility for your emotions into things outside of your control, your circumstances, life events, other people's words or actions, uh, the weather, pandemics. Um, other things you see on the news, these things are all outside of of our control, right? But many times we let them take control of our emotional well-being. Now, the opposite of emotional childhood is emotional adulthood, which would then be taking personal responsibility for our emotions and not delegating our emotional state to things outside of us. So this is a really important concept to understand um, that we are in charge of our emotions, but it's also important to understand that this applies to other people too. You are not in charge of someone else's emotions. No matter how much you think you are, 
no matter how much they think you are, (laughs) ultimately, they're the ones that get to decide how they'll feel and how their circumstance will affect them. And some people don't really like to hear this. They don't like to want to take on that responsibility, but that doesn't make it um, not true, right? Um, Now, this is not a cop-out. This is not to say that you should just go out and act however you want because you aren't responsible how other people feel. And I really believe that most people genuinely do want to be good and kind and thoughtful um, and generous human beings. And it's a healthy thing to recognize that our behavior can have influence on others, but to think that we have the power to make, that's make with air quotes, to make people feel a certain way or that others can make us feel a certain way isn't really true. Have you ever done something for someone else in an effort to make them feel loved, but then they didn't react or feel the way that you wanted them to? Have you ever done something nice um, to try to impress someone or get them to think you're pretty great, but then they didn't even seem to notice or care very much? Or maybe you've experienced the opposite, where someone else was trying to get you to feel a certain way and it didn't really work out the way they'd planned. So what we do isn't always received in the way it was intended, and it's really up to each of us to be in charge of our own emotions. And so sometimes that means letting people feel the way they want to feel or the way that they're choosing to feel in the moment. And like we talked about earlier, people pleasers tend to be very uncomfortable when someone is upset with them, when someone doesn't like them, or when someone else isn't happy. But just because someone's angry with you doesn't mean you did something wrong, right? Okay, for example, if your child is mad at you because you won't let them, um, him or her, do something against your better judgment, you aren't doing anything wrong, you're just taking a position they don't like. I was coaching a woman one time who was frustrated that her son wouldn't stop pestering her and begging her for more screen time than the amount they had come to and agreed upon as a family. And she felt good about this decision. She didn't really believe he needed any more screen time than that. But he was pretty relentless and um, with his pleadings, and he was kind of driving her crazy. Well, in the course of the call, of our call, she mentioned to me that she had let her son know how exhausting it was for her to listen to him beg for time over and over, even after she told him no. And she had expressed to her son how much this behavior was wearing on her. Well, as we talked about this, she came to the realization that while she was being honest with her son about how this was affecting her, she was also sending him the message that he had a lot of power over her emotions. And it was possible that he was so persistent with this behavior because he knew that it was effective and that he'd eventually probably be able to wear her down enough so that she'd just give in and let him have more time. And that was a pretty big aha for her. She realized that she could actually approach the situation in an entirely different way so that she wasn't feeling guilty or exhausted um, when her son was begging her for more time. So I think it's important to show our kids that we can manage our own emotions, right? If we're super reactive to the people and the things um, in our environments, even our own kids, um, what kind of example is that setting for them? And what message is that sending to them about who really is in control of their emotions? Um, I think as moms and as wives too, as we talked about um, earlier, we can sometimes fall into the trap of believing that we are responsible for keeping everyone in the family happy, right? Because if we can manage everyone Um, so that our kids are never angry or sad or hurt, or that our husband isn't ever upset or annoyed or disappointed, then we can give ourselves permission to think that we are doing a good job as a wife and a mother, which is important to us, right? We want to feel successful in these roles, but sometimes in order to feel successful, we might need to rethink our definition of what success really is, right? If your husband gets annoyed because you leave him with the kids once in a while for a girl's night out, 
Does that mean you're wrong or that you're a bad wife if you do it? No, it doesn't. But yet I see women all of the time who give up something that is good and worthy and perfectly fine for them to want so that they can manage the way someone else is feeling. Um, I had a client about a year ago who was an empty nester and wanted to take a couple weekends out of the year to get together with her sisters. They all lived in different states. Um, They didn't see each other very often and they wanted to start meeting up for a little time with each other once in a while. Well, her husband didn't like this idea at all. He liked having her around. He didn't want to be lonely. He didn't want to have have to get his own meals. Um, he didn't really think it was fair for her to go leave him and, and have some fun. And he thought she was being kind of selfish for deserting him. Um, and so he let her know that he did not want her to go on these trips and that he would not be very happy with her if she chose to do so. Well, this was causing her a lot of stress. She really wanted to go have this time with her sisters, but she really didn't want her husband to be unhappy with her. And it's funny, I know some women who would just say, well, you can be mad if you want, but I'm still going, and they really wouldn't think twice about it. Um, I know women who would go on the trip and then just be riddled with guilt the entire time, that they were horrible wives for leaving, and, and they would just take all the blame for their husbands not being happy. And I know other women who would reluctantly just cancel their plans altogether, just to keep the peace. Um, So what was this woman to do? Well, we talked about how she was always very concerned about keeping her husband happy and managing his emotions and how this was terribly stressful for her to see him upset. But he didn't seem too worried about the anxiety she was feeling in having to choose between a weekend with her sisters or keeping her husband happy. And there had been other instances in their marriage as well where she would express her opinion or desire, but her husband would just go ahead and do what he wanted anyway and um, was okay to let her be disappointed. And so that was a pretty powerful realization for her that her husband was okay with her discomfort, but that she was extremely concerned about avoiding his. So in the end, she chose to go meet up with her sisters, but it wasn't in a spiteful, vengeful, I'll show you kind of way. It really was from a place of love for herself and for her husband because she knew that if she decided not to go, just to keep him happy, that she would have felt some resentment toward him for making, again those air quotes, making her miss out on something that was really important to her. And then when she showed that kindness to herself and gave herself permission to go do something that was important to her, then she was able to show him much more genuine love, um, even when he wasn't thrilled about her going. She was able to manage her own emotions and also let him manage his emotions. And sometimes those uncomfortable emotions we get to deal with are the ones that help us learn about ourselves and grow, right? So if we're running around trying to keep everyone from feeling any sort of negative emotion ever, we might actually be depriving them of opportunities for learning and growth. Maybe um, giving them the opportunity to learn how to manage their emotions will help them figure out how to take responsibility for themselves and their own happiness, which could be a real gift, right? It is a real gift. (laughs) Now, I'm not saying not to care about other people or their feelings. You know that, right? But you have to be the one to decide the lines you will draw, what boundaries you will make, and what you are willing and not willing to put up with. And those can be very personal decisions. When I work with women who struggle with things like this, what we're aiming for is clarity, um, helping them see their situation in a different way than they've seen it before, and then approaching it in a new way, most likely different than the way that's been keeping them stuck and in the same challenges over and over. Um, Isn't there a quote somewhere, I think, from Albert Einstein about how you can't use the same level of thinking to solve a problem than you used when you created it? Something like that, right? You have to use a different approach than the one that isn't working for you. 
Okay, so tip number three, learn how to understand and believe in your own self-worth. And really, this is at the root of people-pleasing. It's basically a misunderstanding about our own worth and where that worth comes from. So knowing this, it might be helpful to ask yourself a couple of questions. Number one, where does your sense of self-worth come from? And number two, who do you look to for approval and why? So think about the people you are trying to please and why it's so important for you to please them. Is it because of their status or popularity? Is it because you admire them and you want them to feel the same way about you? Is it because you think they can maybe open the door to opportunities you want in your life? Is it because in order for you to feel like you're a good person, other people should be happy with you all of the time? Or maybe you're seeking someone's approval just because you don't think you have it. Sometimes the validation we're seeking the most is from those who don't give it to us. And we think that if we could just get that person's love or approval, then we'd be happy and feel valuable. And it might be someone we don't even see or interact with that much, but for some reason we've decided that we need their permission to feel lovable or valuable. I want you to really think about these questions and answer them truthfully. Even write down what you come up with. Uh, Make a list of the rules you've set up in your life that need to be followed in order for you to give yourself permission to like yourself, to believe in yourself, to go after your goals, um, and to feel and to act the way that you want to. And then take a look at this list and see what these rules, what this kind of thinking is creating in your life. Do you feel insecure? Do you feel shame? Um, Do you feel burdened by worry about what other people think and how they're judging you? Do you focus on your flaws and imperfections and use them as evidence that you're not good enough? Um, Do you have talents and gifts to share with the world, but you feel like you need someone's permission to go out and share them? Do you want to connect with others, but feel like no one would really be interested in what you have to offer? Are you afraid to stand up for yourself and your beliefs? Really think about what's happening in your life because you aren't believing in and valuing yourself. So I was coaching a woman once who was really struggling with this concept in regard to her calling at church. She was a newly called auxiliary president, and she was amazing and had so much love for those that she'd been called to serve. But she um, felt like she had become a basket case, just running around trying to do everything and be everything and make sure that everyone approved of her and thought she was doing a fabulous job. Now, for those of you who have been in a leadership position, whether at church or in another organization, you know that there will always be someone who thinks you're doing it wrong or that you should be doing it better or that you should be different than you are. And while there's always room for counsel and improvement, I'll give you that, (laughs) she was trying to make everybody happy all of the time. And the funny thing was, even when she was doing her absolute best, to meet everyone else's expectations, um, some people still weren't happy. And she was just stressed out and totally exhausted. And so we did some real work on um, her sense of self-worth and what that calling was all about and who she was really serving. And she started to see that whether everyone was happy with her all of the time was probably not the best indicator of um, whether she was a successful leader. And so we started to really redefine what success actually was in that circumstance for her. Um, And I love this little snippet a sister Patricia Holland shared in a BYU talk called an I single. Um, It's one of my favorites from her. And I think I might have shared this in another episode, but it really applies here too. She said, a church leader whom I highly regard told me recently that in his earlier days, he was preoccupied with trying to please the people of this church until in utter fatigue and confusion, he decided instead to focus on pleasing God and let God then worry about pleasing the people. This decision freed him to be who he really was and to find powers he didn't know he had. He said, for the first time in my life, I saw clearly my own divine potential. So good. 
Um, I also love this quote from Elder L. Tom Perry. He says, One of the greatest weaknesses in most of us is our lack of faith in ourselves. One of our common failings is to depreciate our tremendous worth. So this really is a human problem that we all have at one time or another. And I think part of it comes from that uh, mortal, carnal mind of ours combined with the world that we live in that sends us all kinds of messages about where our worth comes from. And with this combination, we kind of develop habits and patterns and beliefs that keep us from really understanding who we are and what our potential is. Um, another thing I think that we um, that we have working against us is the adversary as well, right? He's working to destroy our sense of worth because um, he does know of our great potential. He does know who we are. And if he can get us to question our worth and that divinity within us, he is winning the battle. So I think that those things are good to keep in mind. Know that you're not flawed or weak or broken. Um, you've got some pretty challenging challenging things working against you, right? So of course you struggle. We all do at times. But that doesn't mean that these things can't be overcome. Um, this is a big thing I work on with women and teenage girls is really learning how to value themselves accurately and move from feelings of low self-worth to feelings of self-love and confidence. Okay, now a little word of warning. If you have been a people pleaser for a while and have set up these patterns in your relationships and then you decide to take a step back and reevaluate and change some of these behaviors, there will probably be people in your life who won't be super excited about it. Um, one woman who was working to change some of these patterns in her own life said that actually the people who were the least happy about her change um, were the people who stressed her out the most in her life and who she felt the need to please the most, which makes sense, right? And I think sometimes when we come to this awareness and realize what we've created in our lives with this type of people pleasing, it can make us kind of angry um, or maybe feel like we need to protect ourselves from the people we feel like have been taking advantage of us. And the tendency when you're feeling this way may be to act a little abrasive or standoffish. Um, and let me say here as a little side note, if you are really in some kind of abusive relationship, that's a different situation. <laughs> yes, you need to distance yourself and protect yourself from that and certainly get the help that you need to get out of that situation and to safety. Definitely. Um, what I'm talking about here are those situations um, when we might start reacting to the frustration or resentment that's been building up over time about being the pushover or never standing up for what you want or not being truthful to others about how you feel or maybe going along with anything just to avoid conflict. And um, when you've been doing this, especially if it's been going on for a while, and then you become aware of what's been happening, you might, like I said, start to feel a little bit of anger toward the people you've been seeking to please. Um, but remember, who's responsible for this pattern? It's you, right? Even though you weren't doing this intentionally, you were just trying to keep others happy, you were the one that agreed to all of these things that resulted in the situation you find yourself in today, right? Um, and so, of course, it might be a little hard for the people you've been bending over backwards to please um, begin to begin to see changes in you. And this is where compassion can come in. Instead of getting defensive or angry if someone's having a hard time with this change, you can, you can still respond to them from a place of love, right? You want to be careful not to mirror back that negative emotion. Um, now, this doesn't mean giving in and going back to your old ways either, but it does mean understanding that change is sometimes hard. Um, and just to take a look at the perspective of the person on the other side and understand what they're experiencing and then respond to them from a place of compassion and empathy. Um, those qualities that are probably some of your best anyway, right? Sometimes I think um, that people who have a hard time with people pleasing feel the need to villainize the other person in order to say no or to set appropriate boundaries. It's almost like they need to make that person the bad guy so they don't feel guilty saying no. 
but this isn't really helpful. Um, it's really just going to create um, more negativity within you. You don't need to um, make someone else the enemy so that you can feel okay about saying no. You just need to get to a place where you can be honest with yourself about what you're willing to do and what you really aren't okay with and then value yourself enough to honor that decision. Um, you can learn from your past and decide that's not how you want your future to look, but you also need to let go of that past. You need to forgive yourself and forgive others so that you don't stay stuck in negativity and resentment and so that you can move forward and create the authentic, fulfilling relationships that you really want. Okay, so that's what I've got for you today. I hope it's been helpful. Thanks so much for listening. Um, and if you would like some one-on-one -on -one help with any of these topics that you hear about on this podcast, um, I offer a coaching program. I have one for women and one for teenage girls um, who really want to increase their confidence and learn how to live up to, up to and into their potential. Um, and I, I just help you take whatever you're struggling with, um, get to the root of your problem, and then teach you some really awesome skills and strategies that you can use um, really for the rest of your life in whatever challenges you face. Um, in addition to those programs, I offer individual sessions. If you feel like you just need to get some clarity on something, maybe you're stuck and just need a little help moving forward. Maybe it's a goal you have you want to tackle or a relationship you want to improve or just a situation you can't figure out how to handle. You'd be surprised how much progress you can make in an hour. So the best way to sign up is just to DM me on Instagram. You can find me at um, Annette underscore motherhood elevated. Um, or you can send me an email at Annette at MotherhoodElevated.com and I will get in touch with you. I hope you all have a wonderful rest of your week and I will talk to you again soon. If you like what you hear on this podcast and would like to learn more, I invite you to check out my website at MotherhoodElevated.com. There you can sign up for a free mini session to see what working with me looks like as well as find information on classes I offer or get on the list for some weekly inspiration straight to your inbox. Again, that's motherhoodelevated.com. Have a great week.